Um, yeah, so I mean, I it's tough to say that I'm be uh, I'm, I've been playing professional rugby for ten years now. I mean, I'm the 28 this year. I still feel 15. Um, but I think in 2012, when the Junior Box won the World Cup here in South Africa, it was really a, a emotional filled uh, tournament for me. I missed the first game because of a concussion. We lost against Ireland, and then we had to beat everybody with bonus points, and we still beat England uh, with. With, with a four-try bonus point at Cape Town Stadium. Um, and I scored a, uh, the first try of the match. Uh, that was really special for me. Um, unfortunately, I missed the, missed the uh, final because of injury. And that derailed my career, but uh, I hurt my knee in the semifinals after the whistle has blown for a full time. Um, took me long to recover. Came back, played for ticks, I think four or five games, hurt my same knee. I think I was yeah, 22, and uh, that was almost the end of it. Uh, that was almost the end of my rugby career. And uh, there's been a lot of people that really supported me uh, well that uh, I can say if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be still playing rugby. Uh, Dr. Don, Duplessis in Pretoria, uh, Tani Steff, who is his physio, and Valdu, his uh, athletics coach at Tux. I mean, the three of them took me from not being able to bend my knee to, to be able to play rugby 10 months later. Um, so that was that was a big uh, up and down for me, and then moving back to the free state, I think that uh, that's probably the best decision I could have made. Um, the 2019 Curry Cup final, uh, when you so uh, I ran out and I was playing on the right wing, and you run out as far as you can, and then you run into that whole um, stand full of people who's just shouting back at you. Uh, that's an unbelievable experience. Oh. That's that's absolutely fantastic. And also looking at that final last year for the Curry Cup, I have to admit that was a very, very close game. You guys almost, it was, it was like one of those where you're just holding on for, for dear life against the Lions. They're taking that one 28-31, which was incredibly close yeah. as well. I would love to, now that you mentioned the final as well, one of the, the great coaches that many might talk about in terms of the Toyota Titas is, of course, um, Franco Smith. You know, and and the impact that he's had on on the team as well, and specifically going into that whole rebuilding phase in terms of 2017, 2018, and then in 2019, you guys were able to lift the Curry Cup again. What role did he play, and also what? How important is it for a coach to just have that incredible impact on a team? Yeah, so I think Coach Franco really has an amazing rugby brain. Um, so for the 2019 season specifically, I still remember we moved our preseason away from from Old Grace and we did our preseason at Central Work School, just for a bit of change of venue, change of energy. And before that season started, he said, "Listen, guys, we have a very specific plan. Uh, we had a 10-point plan for this for the season, and everybody knew exactly what was expected of him." So I sometimes feel that. Um, Everybody has a good plan, but the buy-in or the understanding of the plan might not be where it should be, and then the team lacks. But if everybody is on the same plan, it doesn't actually matter exactly what the plan is, as long as everybody knows it and believes in it. And I think that was that was one of Coach Franco's strengths. He could have said, listen, hey guys, we're doing it this way. Everybody bought it. Everybody knew exactly what they wanted. And uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable campaign. Oh. That's absolutely amazing. And in terms of your growth, your personal growth as, as a player, 
what role did he play? And of course, we all know that coaches sometimes can actually take you from where you are to the next level in terms of your playing style. How do you feel he personally benefited you as an individual rugby player? Yeah. So when I when I got to the free state, Franco Fenter was our captain playing thirteen. So I was playing twelve for for most of the season. Uh, again, had a had a freak toe toe injury at Alice Park, which kept me out for for quite a a, a big uh, part of 2016. Then the Curry Cup started in 2016. I played all of the games uh, where we were unbeaten, and then when the semi final came. Franz Venter came back from injury and I got left out of the 23 for the semi-final and final, which was, yeah, it was a hammer blow for me. But, I mean, such is sport. I mean, takes you to places that you've never been, highs and lows. And then um, Coach Franco left to go to the Springboks uh, a bit later. And then Coach Rory Duncan and uh, Dave Williams took over uh, end of 2017 and learned a lot from Coach Dave. He's at the Sharks at the moment. I must say one of the the, the best uh, attacking coaches I've ever played under. Um, also, unbelievable feel for the game. Uh, you can see how the Sharks play now. Uh, I think he's the, the wizard behind it all. Um, learned a lot from them. And then when Coach Franco came back, um, he just had a way of bringing everybody onto the same page. Um, we, had a, we had a shortage on wing that year. So it was me and Bernard and Dries were all competing, playing centre. And he said to me, William, um, you can compete there and I'll pick who's, who's, who's on form. But if you can help me out on the wing, um, I can tell you now that you'll you'll do great there. And I was like, all right, I have a lot to learn, but let's try. And I think I played about 30, 35 games on the wing, which is a position I haven't played since 2009. And it was because he had faith in me and he knew I could do it. So um, sometimes you need somebody else to, to see something um, and believe it. And then he just transferred that over to me. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic, William. I think I would love to to touch on something that you mentioned there. You you mentioned that sports, and it, this is a very true statement as well, that sports takes you through the whole journey, whether that be the highs when you are lifting the current cup trophy like last year or the lows where, where sometimes you are sitting on the bench with injury. How do you work through that mental process? Yes, you are going through rehab. Yes, you are doing all the physio. But mentally, because you're devastated, you're a rugby player, you want to be on the field. How do you mentally go through that process where you tell yourself that, listen, I will be on the field again? Yeah. Yeah. When I, I struggled more with this when I was younger because I think coming out of grey, I only lost one game in five years at school level. So you think it's always going to go for you. Um, we SA schools gave one grade a week. So my picture coming out of school is it goes right most, well 99% of the time. And that's not true. That's not true life. So then suddenly you're 19 years old at the Springbok Sevens and you're not selected for the team. Or Coach Paul tells you that you still have a lot, a lot, lot to work on. And that's not something that I was used to. Um, and uh, I think the, the biggest, one of the biggest life lessons I've learned was probably from Brendan Fenter. Uh, he's one of my uncle's friends. So uh, he coached us once that 2012 World Cup. Uh, but, but just after that, probably 2014, we were playing table tennis. And he's very good. And I also think I'm not bad. Um, and he would beat me two or three or four times. And then I would beat him one or, once or twice. And, and then afterwards, I would maybe give him a, a bit of a bit of banter, oh, hard, luck, hard luck in the loss. And he would say, William, uh, I never lose 
because who says it's the end now? Uh, mm. And that's that, that's something to think about because sometimes you feel like, listen, you've, you've lost now completely and this is the end of your road or this is the end of the chapter, and especially in rugby. Sorry. Hi, Booty. Especially in rugby, you live week, week to week, Saturday to Saturday. Now you didn't have a good week. Now you failed. Or is this not actually just part of your story? Who says your story has to end now? And uh, that just gives a bit of longevity to your to your classification, what is success and what is failure. And uh, if you just say, I never lose, I only learn, then I think that's a, a, a way better mentality to have than to say, oh, I'm not good enough. I failed now. I'm struggling. Uh, this is just part of your story. This is not your end or this is not your full story. Wow, William, that is absolutely powerful. And I think that's why you are also such a great role model to a lot of young rugby players in, in the country as well that want to achieve the, the greatness that you've achieved as well. You touched on something that I would love to get into there, banter. Banter in the team dynamic, banter in the locker room. And of course, we all know that in terms of sports, the best part about sports, yes, of course, it's nice to win the trophies and it's nice to have a good time. But the best part about sports is the banter amongst your fellow brothers on the field as well. Hmm. In terms of the banter moments, I would love to know, because we always have this big argument in terms of rugby that, <laughs> that listen, in terms of the wings, sometimes the wings feel that they can actually play in the forward pack. They can actually put their head down yeah. in the scrum. Yeah. And even in the modern day rugby game, you have some of the props that are actually quite quick and they fancy themselves yeah. on the back as well. So in terms of looking at your team, who are the players that you feel maybe you can almost replace in, in, in the forward pack maybe if you, if, yeah. you, if you had the strength? Or maybe is there maybe a prop that you feel he believes that he's quick enough to play in the, in the back of the team? So, uh, Aiden Davis actually has amazing hands. Uh, his distribution, his passing. So, I think he, he can maybe play in the back line, maybe be a 12, a physical 12. And uh, there's always the forwards trying to throw the magic offloads, you know, trying to do the behind the back flip or the in the tackle flip. And I'm trying to think of one guy now, but I mean, playing for the free state, it's about everybody um, trying to do that. Um, obviously, Auction Chase is the classic example of. Uh, Extremely quick prop, um, but don't throw Buan Fenter, uh, Buan Fenter away. He is very fast, so uh, he can probably go on the left wing for a game or two. Like, uh, no, that's good to hear because I think always sometimes in a team dynamic, you always have that thing of listen. If I had the opportunity, or even sometimes during training, you sometimes have some of the Oaks shifting their positions, trying to play something new. So, so that's good to know. Listen, so I would love you know, to also. Yes. No, I just wanted to say Bernard Janssen van Rensburg's ability to poach at the breakdown. I mean, he can also probably play six, six or seven. So um, the guys are multi, multi-talented. Oh, no, that, that's fantastic to hear. And then now going into a little bit more of the banter, one of the most classic things about any sports locker room, and I mean, I've been there and you've been there throughout your whole career, is you always have certain guys that are a little bit more messier than, than other guys in terms of how they put their kit bags and how they put everything aside and all of that. Are you maybe, or maybe you can share a few locker room secrets over there. Who is the most messiest player in the team and who's the neatest player in the team? All right. So, so everybody is messy in a locker room. Let me just get, get, get to that. Um, I mean, we were playing Leinster this year. 
and it was raining and it was cold. It was horrible weather. So you, the first half, you're just trying not to drown. You're trying not just to stay warm. It's so cold. You get into the locker room and there's these white, thick towels lying on your where you sit. So everybody grabs a towel, like stop wiping off all the mud and just opening your eyes so you can see again. And then you have to go out for a second half and you get back and they like, listen here, guys, that was actually your shower, your shower towels. So uh, good luck. Now you're looking for like a nice clean piece to go shower with. So no, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, when it's cold and raining, everybody is messy. Everything is wet. You try your best, but uh, it's, it's impossible. Is it? So, so, so there's no player that's a little bit more messier than the others. Not at all. No. Ooh. Can you, can you see me? I lost you for a bit. Um, so, uh, the only thing that really is unique in our locker room is Clayton Blomicki always has a big speaker. Um, so if you want to listen to it or not, that is the music that is being played. And uh, half of the team really loves it. The other half is not, not a big fan. But um, he always brings an extreme vibe. He loves it. He dances. The other guy dances. So everybody is quite focused and stick to the routine. And Blomo will always have a speaker, something playing in the background. And uh, yeah, I think that's 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 unique. Laka, that's good to hear. And I love what you also mentioned there in terms of the experiences that you've had playing for the Toyota Cheetahs in terms of you being able to play in the Pro 14 and travel to Europe and play in the Northern Hemisphere. Can you maybe tell us some of the interesting experiences that you guys as a team have had? Maybe some fun or some banter on the plane or maybe something <laughs> interesting because traveling is one of the best experiences but also some of the great memories for you as a player might have actually come off the field. 